Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Now, most churches claim to be missions-minded. Uh, I've pastored for over 40 years, and uh, I would say, always say the churches that I pastored, we were missions-minded. But I'm not really sure that, that we really understood what it meant. Uh, I, th- I don't think I really, I, I really understood it totally. Uh, I think we, need, we could use a paradigm shift in our churches today. The example of a truly missions-minded church is given to us right here in this church, the Church of Antioch. Now, our text will be Acts 13. We'll come back to it in just a moment. But in order to understand this church at Antioch, I think we need to go back and look at the beginning of this church. And so uh, I'm going to have a long introduction and a short message, okay? So let me go back and show you the beginning of this church. Let's go down to the background of this church at Antioch. We'll go to Acts chapter 11, if you would, please. And we'll come back to chapter 13 in a few minutes. Acts chapter 11 tells us the beginning of this church. Pick it up at verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and, and, and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Notice that they were scattered as a result of persecution. We'll, come, we'll, we'll, bring, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. But right now, we see that these people are being persecuted and they're, they're, they're scattered abroad. They, had to, they, had, they were forced to go out into other areas. And they came uh, to these places, Phoenice, which is modern-day Lebanon, uh, Cyprus, and Antioch, uh, which is in modern-day Syria. And so they get to, to these areas, and they're preaching the Word of God. And some of them were men of Cyprus, verse 20, and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, they spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Notice in verse 19, it says that they were preaching the Word to none but the Jews only. But there was a group that crossed over these cultural barriers, and they began to preach to the, to the Gentiles as well. Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now, originally, there was one church. That one church was started by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus begins the church. He starts the church. It was... Uh, uh, First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. No, it was not First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. It's probably Jerusalem Baptist Church. If it wasn't that, it was Liberty Baptist Church of Jerusalem. I'm not sure. But uh, Liberty Baptist is when I pastored. So, you know, I think it would have been that name. But, but uh, uh, he starts the church there in Jerusalem. That's the only church. There's not a second church. There's one church, the one that Jesus started. Jesus told his church in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 to go to Jerusalem. Remember that? And wait until you be endued with power from on high. He said, you shall be endued with power from on high. You stay there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you shall be witnesses unto me, both, Acts 1.8, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem and start there, but don't stay there. So the church at Jerusalem was told, begin in Jerusalem, but don't stay in Jerusalem. You should be witnessing me both, both at the same time, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost. You're, you're to start at Jerusalem and, and spread out from there. But they did not. Now, I, I, I feel silly saying this because I, I mean, look, we, 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 we today, I don't know of anybody today that is, would be worthy, any preacher today that would be worthy to, to uh, shine the shoes 
of one of the apostles. And they all died for the faith. The 11, the 11 apostles. Judas, of course, committed suicide, but the other 11, they all died for the faith. They were martyrs for the faith. Uh, John died of old age, but, but uh, they were martyrs for the faith. And so now I'm not worthy to shine their shoes, but I'm going to say this biblically. They, 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 they didn't understand. They didn't really get what it meant to be a missions-minded church. And so they, they were disobedient in this one area. Now, they did a wonderful job in Jerusalem. They got, they, these guys go to Jerusalem, and they get so many people saved. They're going door-to-door everywhere leading people to Christ that their enemies said this. They said, hey, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. I mean, the whole city was filled, was filled with the doctrine that the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem was preaching. They did a great job, but that's not what Jesus said to do. He said, start in Jerusalem, but don't stay there, Acts 1.8. said, go in from Jerusalem, you go to Judea, then you go to Samaria, then you, go, you keep on moving out to other areas. But they didn't. They just stayed there in their own city. Now, Acts 1.8, 1.8. If you were to reverse Acts 1.8, you get Acts 8.1, right? 1.8, flip it over, got Acts 8.1. 1.8, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and, and keep on moving out from there. They go to Jerusalem, they sit tight right in Jerusalem. They don't go anywhere else. No missions. So God says, okay, let's try Acts 8.1. You know what Acts 8.1 says? Acts 8.1 says that at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad to Judea, Samaria. They just, God scattered them. Acts 8.4 says, and they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So God has a way of getting us to do what he told us to do. We can either do it on purpose or we can do it under God's Gentle spanking, you know, which might mean persecution. But God said, you go to Jerusalem, don't stay there now. You, you, you win souls in Jerusalem. I want you to keep on moving out to Judea, to Samaria, keep on expanding out. They said, you know what? We're doing a great job in Jerusalem. We think we'll just stay right here, just reaching our own people. And God said, no, no, it doesn't work that way. And so he raises up persecution, Saul. And Saul, who later becomes the apostle Paul, causes them to scatter to go exactly where God told them to go. Now, as they're going everywhere, preaching the word, finally, they come to a place called Antioch. They get to Antioch, and they, and they begin preaching. And again, where we looked at in Acts chapter 11, so they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, that's, that's Acts 8.1. They come this far, all the way to Antioch of Syria, and they're there preaching the word to none. Notice, none but the Jews only. They were, told, they were told to preach the gospel to everybody. But again, they don't get it yet. Now, understand, the book of Acts is a transition time. We're not being critical of them. They just, they just didn't get it yet. You see a lot of this stuff with the Judaism and, and all these the Galatians and these different books that Paul's writing and trying, trying to get them to understand the gospel is not just for the Jews. It's for everybody. And so, and so they're preaching just to Jews. But... Thank God there was a group of people among them that said, we are going to expand out and we're not going to do just to the Jews. They began to preach to the Gentiles. Notice in verse 20, some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. When they got to Antioch, they spoke to the Grecians, the Gentiles. They began to cross over the cultural barriers. You know what happened when they did that? Verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed. 
They get to Jerusalem, they get to Antioch, and they begin preaching the gospel, not just to the Jewish population of Antioch, but all the other people as well. And, and people got started getting saved by the bucket loads. It was incredible. It was amazing. This thing was so amazing that, that, that the church at Jerusalem heard about it. They heard about all these Gentiles being saved. And by the way, Antioch was an incredible city. In that time, in this day, again, long introduction, short message, okay? Don't get nervous on me. Uh, in, in this day, Antioch was, 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 it was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was, it was a multicultural city. People were there from everywhere, all types of different languages, all kinds of different religions. It was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was a very strategic, important city. And so they get to Antioch, and, and there's Jews there, but there's, there's also Gentiles there. There's Greeks there. There's Romans there. And, they, and these people were, 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 were uh, just such a multicultural area. And so some of the people there said, some of, some of, the, some of these Christians said, let's, let's witness to the non-Jews as well. And they received it. The, the Gentiles received the gospel. It was so incredible that the word goes back. People are going back to, Jer- to Jerusalem, and they tell the apostles, hey, Gentiles are getting saved by the bucket load. <laughs> I mean, they're just, it's amazing. They're having a revival in Antioch. And the, and, the, and, and, and the apostles say, you mean non-Jewish people? Yeah, non-Jews. Over in Syria, Antioch, they're getting saved. They're coming from everywhere. And so the apostles got Barnabas, and they said to Barnabas, go check this thing out. So Barnabas goes, goes up, and he looks at it, and he is so impressed by it, he goes over and he gets Saul, who later becomes the apostle Paul. He brings Saul back to Antioch. He says, Saul, you've got to see this. I mean, people are being saved. They're having revival among Gentiles. And so Saul and Barnabas get over to Antioch, and, and they are so impressed with it, they stay there for a whole year. And they're there for that year. They get involved in the teaching and the discipling and the preaching, and they are just having a wonderful time. Now, why did the church at Antioch thrive like this? I think there's two reasons. I think there's two reasons. This is kind of an aside here, but, but it's important for us as well. What, there's two reasons, I think, why this is happening. Number one, the gospel. The gospel is powerful. It was powerful then. It's powerful today. I'm telling you, the apostle, the apostle Paul, I think, saw what he later, when his name was Saul, of course, at that time, let's call him Paul. I think Paul saw in Antioch what he later wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. It's powerful. I mean, this is dynamite. You take, I don't care where you take the gospel. You take it anywhere you want to take it, and I guarantee you somebody's going to get saved. It's powerful. There is something powerful. Uh, we've seen that in our ministry. <clears throat> we work in these restricted access nations. Every nation we work in is a restricted access nation. Every one of them. They're filled with false religions. But I'm telling you, I don't care whether we're talking about a Buddhist country or a Muslim country or a Hindu country or a, or, or a communist country. We support national pastors in, in, in those four communist countries. We support people in three of them. Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have anybody in North Korea, but we got them in China. 
We've got them in communist Laos. We've got them in communist Vietnam. I, I go regularly to all three of those. I preach in all three of those cities, all those three of those countries. And I'm telling you, you can't, you go, to, you go to a communist country, a Buddhist country, Hindu country, India. I don't care where we're talking about. Indonesia, you, the largest Muslim country in the world. And you take the gospel there and you tell people that there's a loving God who, who sent his son to die for them. They can have the assurance of heaven as their home. That, look, no other religion in the world gives them that kind of a promise. No other religion believes in a loving God except ours. It is powerful. 17 different countries. And we see people saved regularly. I mean, hundreds of them that are, that, that are coming. When you put them cumulatively, hundreds of people every week that are coming to Christ in those, in those, in those nations. It's powerful. So Antioch, go, they go to Antioch and people are being saved. Why? Because there's tremendous power in the gospel. I think there's a second reason. Very important reason. Why, why, why the, the, the gospel took hold in Antioch. One very important for us today. Not only because it's powerful, but would you go to back to Acts chapter 13 now? And I think the second reason is this. The, the, the church there at Antioch, it, it looked like the community. The people in that church, they related to the people around them. They looked like the community. Look at Acts chapter 13. There was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. And then he begins to name them. Now, the, the, the leadership, they're going to mirror the diversity of, of this city and of this church. Notice this. Certain prophets and teachers, and then he begins to name Barnabas. We know Barnabas. We know Barnabas. Barnabas is that, that Jewish man that, remember, was, was, was a, 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 a Levite, priestly tribe, who, remember, came and gave the money originally to, to his, his name was Joseph, and the, the apostles changed his name to Barnabas, means son of consolation, because of what he did. He was a helper. So, you know, he's Jewish. Simeon, that was called Niger. Most people think, uh, if, you, if you study this passage, most commentaries will say that that Simeon was, was, was African. He was, he, he was from perhaps Nigeria. He was called Niger, which means black. And that's why he was called that, because he was a black man. So you've got a Jew. You've got Simeon that was called Niger. You've got Lucius of Cyrene. Uh, Lucius is, is a Gentile. He's from Cyrene. You've got Manaean, which, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch. So Manaean was brought up with Herod. So he's a Roman. He's probably wealthy, or his family was wealthy. Maybe the, kind of the upper class of people. And then you've got Saul. Saul is obviously a, a Jew, he's a Pharisee, who got saved and became, becomes Apostle Paul. So when you look at the leadership of this, of this congregation, they, they're, they're not just all one group. And the church is not one group. This, 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 is a gen, this is the first time that you've got an actual Gentile church and Jewish church and, and Romans in there, and they're all mixed together. And what, what they're held together by is the gospel, their love of Jesus Christ. They've all been born again into the same family. And there was something very powerful about it. I really believe that, that one reason why our ministry at Barnabas 1040 has been as effective as it has in such a short time is because the, the, the people that are out front look like the nationals. They are the nationals. 
They, you know, there's just something about it. I, I, I wish I had the time to tell you some stories about this, this last five years. I'm telling you, there, there, there are times when, 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 when look, look they, they want me to preach, and, and I understand. Uh, they, they like for the foreigner to preach, for the American to preach, you know, when he's there, and, I, and I'm happy to do it. But I have to have an interpreter. Uh, I go out in these villages, say, in Indonesia, uh, and, 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 and I preach in the villages in Indonesia, and, and, I, and I, watch, I watch the people. There, there's really, there's just something different when the Indonesian pastor gets up. I was in Vietnam uh, a few years ago, uh, up in the central highlands in the, in the mountains, and we'd gone to a, to, to a, to a village where, uh, was, which was way up in the central highlands where some of the worst fighting the, of the, the Vietnam War was. And by the way, I'm, I, I love Vietnam. I spent two tours in Vietnam with the 75th Rangers uh, as a young man. I love the people. But, uh, but, but, but I was up in, up in the Central Highlands, and I was inside this building where the, there were no American missionaries there, but there was a Filipino missionary. And this Filipino missionary had taken me up there because there were some people that he worked with up in the, in, the, in the village. And so we go up to this village, and, and he says, now, we, fly, we flew from Ho Chi Minh City, which is the former Saigon, to, to Da Nang, and then we took, a, took a, uh, a car, a rented car, for about three hours up in the mountains. And he said, now, Pastor, we're going to go from village to village, and then at one particular place, the car will stop, get out of the car, walk immediately, directly into the building, the building in front of you. Don't look around. Don't take pictures. Don't, don't loiter. Just go walk in the streets, quickly as you can, in the building as quickly as you can, and then the car will leave. That's okay. So we do. We get inside. There's a, a building, a, there, a little house there, uh, no furniture or anything in it. So we go inside, and, and we sit on the floor, and people begin to come. And after a while, there's about 25, 30 people in there. And, and so we're sitting there in this, in this circle, around, around, and they're talking. <clears throat> I don't speak Vietnamese. I, I, I can say a few things in Vietnamese, but not things you should say. It's like I can say, you know, surrender or I'll shoot you, you know, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but... Uh, <laughs> You know, but you know, it's probably not the same. Surrender, or I'll shoot you. No, it's probably not the right thing to say in, the, in that kind of. So I'm just saying they're listening. And the Filipino, the Filipino missionary, he speaks Vietnamese. So they're they're talking, and they're they're they're, they're real intense. I don't know what they're saying, but I know it's intense. So finally, he turns and, and he looks to me, looks at me, and here's what he said: the Filipino missionary. He said, "Pastor, we have a problem." That's okay. What's the problem? And then he said something to me that was. One of the best things that's ever been said to me, life-changing for my ministry. It really is. I mean, it, it really, really helped me. The moment, I didn't realize that, but as I thought a lot about it through the years. He pointed at me and he said, he said, you are the problem. And I thought, wow, I'm the problem. I left my church. I left Southern California. Left $18 million worth of buildings and property. 600 people that I love. I left our ministry. I left 25 years so I could come to Vietnam and be the problem. I didn't know I was going to be the problem. <laughs> I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to help. <laughs> I'm the problem. That's one of the best things ever. I've thought a lot about it. And I realized, you know what, God, I don't want to be the problem. And so it's helped me to be willing to just step back and say, okay, look, I don't have to be in the limelight. I don't have to be out front. I don't want to be the problem. I want to be part of the solution. 
Now, here's this, here's this Filipino missionary. He's not Vietnamese, but he looks more Vietnamese than I do, right? He's the right color. He's got the right color hair. He's got the right color eyes. He's about the right height. I mean, he's, he goes up there time and time again, never has a problem. One time, he brings the old white guy, and boom, the police surrounded the building. Police, he says, he says, we got a problem. The police have surrounded the building. You're the problem. They want to know why you're here. It turned out, it turned out all fine. It turned out to be a Romans 8.28 kind of a thing. But one of the things it did was it, was it helped me to understand why this thing of supporting nationals is so important. Getting the own people out there. This church, I think, is exploding in growth in Acts chapter 13 because when you walk in that church, you felt comfortable. You saw people around you. There were some white people, there were some brown people, there were some green people, or whatever they had in those days, you know. There's people from, from different cultures, different backgrounds. There's people that, had, that, 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 you know, some of them grew up in one, one air, part of the country, another part of the country. They were from all over the Roman Empire, and they're all getting saved, and they're coming together, worshiping the same God. Now, I think that's powerful. I think your church ought to look like this community, and it does, I'm sure. I, mean, I can tell already it does. Uh, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't pastor a church personally. And I know your pastor couldn't. I, we could not pastor a church. I couldn't pastor a church where you said, hey, we're gonna, would you pastor a church? We're going to have all 70-year-old white guys in it. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, nah, no nah, thanks. Unless there's nobody but 70-year-old white guys like me in the community, then I'm okay. <laughs> but if we've got... Hispanic people, if we've got Chinese people, if we've got Asian people, if they're in the community, we ought to be reaching them with the gospel, going after everybody. And that's what, the, that's what was so different about this thing. Antioch was the first church that did that. The rest of them, they're going, and again, not being, that's all they knew. They're going after Jews only. And all of a sudden, some people said, let's cross over the boundaries. Let's pull these walls down, and let's go, go to everybody. Now, let me give you Missions-minded church. You're going to find one? It's right here. Let me give you three things about it very quickly, and I promise, quickly. Number one, notice if you would, please, they understood the mission. They got it. Acts chapter 13. Let me show you the mission. There were in the church of Zanuck certain prophets and teachers, and Barnabas goes on down and names them. Verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord. Did you catch those first six words? Would you read those six, first six words out loud together with me, please? As they ministered to the Lord. One more time. As they ministered to the Lord. Who's the church here to minister to? You say, well, the church is for me. No. The church is for him. They understood that the purpose of the local church was for God. Now, it's easy for us, and the reason I say this is because it's easy for us to, 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 to lose sight of that. As a missionary, missionaries, sometimes we start thinking, well, the purpose of the church, the reason that Moses, that, that, uh, Moses Lake Baptist Church is here is so that we can come and raise some money from you. No. Uh-uh. You don't, you don't, you're not here. Pastor didn't start this church just so missionaries would have some place to come and raise money. Uh, it, I get it. This church is not here for me. This church is here for God. In fact, I don't even think, I, I, I don't think every church should, should support our ministry. I think there are certain churches that, that we're supposed to partner with and others we're not, and, and I'm fine with that. I, 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 don't, I don't think you're here for me. 
By the way, I don't think we're here for you either. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not being unkind. I'm just telling you, it's not about us. It's about him. Now, when we lose sight of that, we start thinking, well, you know, the church didn't meet my needs. I think I'll go somewhere else. Wait, hold, 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 time out, time out. Every time, you, every time the church lets you down or you feel like you didn't, you're going to just run off somewhere else? It never was about you, right? Now, thank God that, that we, we're here. We worship together. We, we're here for discipleship. We're here, we're, we're here for, for soul winning, all of that. But the reason the church is here is for God, for God's mission. What does God want? I'm going to show you two verses, one in the beginning and one in the end of the Bible. Look, if you would, please, at Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 12, and then we're going to look at Revelation chapter 7. The beginning and the end of the Bible tells us what God's mission is. What does God want from his church? Well, as you're turning to Genesis 12, I'm going to tell you this. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? <clears throat> so in Genesis chapter 12, we have the beginning. The beginning of God calling out Abram to, to cause him to become the founder of the Jewish nation. Look what he says in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God says this to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. All families of the earth be blessed. God's plan was, in the very beginning, that all families of the earth would be blessed. The word families there is the word that we get ethnicities from. The ethnic groups all the tribes, all the languages, all the different places of the world were to be blessed through Abraham, Jesus Christ, of course, the Messiah coming through Abraham. All right? That's the first book of the Bible. Go back to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, now we have a picture of heaven. So God says in the first book of the Bible, I'm going to tell you what my plan is, Abraham. I'm going to choose you to, 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 for the Jewish nation. Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come through you. And here's the purpose, that all the families, all the nations, all the ethnic groups, all the languages of the earth would be blessed through Jesus. Now we go to Revelation chapter 7, and we go to heaven. Picture at the end now. Revelation 7, 9, after this I beheld, we're a picture of heaven, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations... All kindreds, all people, all tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, saying, Salvation to our God. Uh, exactly what God said he wanted to do, what wanted done. The whole, the whole purpose of the church is not just for our entertainment or for us. It's for God. First of all, they got it. This church understood. This wasn't about Antioch only Antioch. It was about the whole world. Number two, notice if you would please, the second thing very quickly, and that is the church prioritized the mission. They understood the mission, then they prioritized it. I'm just going to have to kind of quickly go through this with you. Acts chapter 12, verse 2 and 3 says this, as they're ministering to the Lord, as they're fasting, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and the Saul, Barnabas and Saul for the work we're to have called them. And, it said, and the next verse says, when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them out. The Holy Spirit says that they were, they were close enough to, to God, they could hear him. They could hear his voice. They understood. And when the Holy Spirit said, I want you to take Barnabas and Saul. Now, now we, we read a moment ago, there were only five of them, right, leaders? And this church having revival. They're, 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 they need every, every leader they can keep. And, and so God says, okay, you got, the Holy Spirit says, you got five. I want to take two of them, and I want you to send them away. That's 40% of their leadership team. Um, I think if I'd been one of those five, those other three, I would have said, 
Barnabas, Saul, you, you, you can't go right now. Not, this is not the right time. We need you here. I mean, we've got new Christians everywhere. We need you. But not this church. They got it. They said, they're not mine. They're his. And he said, I want them to go. They said, okay, go. I, I wish I had time to develop this. Maybe things up tomorrow night or something. But, but I, I'm struck by this thing. They didn't even, they didn't know the significance of what they were doing. They didn't know they were the first missions-minded church. They didn't know that this was the beginning of this movement that would last for over 2,000 years. They didn't know. They just, the Holy Spirit just said, send me Barnabas and Saul. Well, what do you want them for? Well, for the work which I've called them to. What is that work? It's my business. God didn't tell them what it was. He didn't tell Barnabas and Saul. He just said, go. And they said, okay. And they went. I... I are we living close enough to God and, and are we prioritizing this thing enough that, we're, that we, I mean, what would you be willing to sacrifice for, for the work? 40% of your leadership team move somewhere else and continue to spread the gospel? Uh, would, you, would you be willing to give? Would you be willing to, hey, would you be willing to let your own kids go? Or your own grandchildren? Go to the mission field? Would you be willing to, to sacrifice financially? I love the fact that God didn't tell him what he was going to do. Normally when God asks us to sacrifice, he's not going to tell us what's going to happen as a result of that sacrifice. When I left our church at, at Liberty, Pastor, I didn't know, I didn't know if, if guys like you and your dad and other pastors would, would go for this or not. I didn't have any clue. But I just said, I know this is what God wants me to do. And so we're going to go. And maybe the, maybe the churches are going to, going, to, going to let me in. Maybe they're not. I told my wife, I said, babe, I know this is what God wants us to do, and if this turns out to be the biggest mistake in, our, in all of our life, a big flop, uh, I'm 65 years old, <laughs> I'm leaving, you know. If it turns out to be a total mistake, I said, here's what I told my wife. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get a job at Walmart because they hire old people. And I'm going to stand there, and I'm going to say, welcome to Walmart. How can I help you? And I'm going to hold my head up high, I'm not going to be ashamed because we did what God told us to do. It's his business whether it succeeds or not. And, and, and it's amazing. It's just beyond our dreams what's happened. They understood the mission. They prioritized the mission. They funded. They financed it. Perhaps later in the week I'll show you some of these verses, but, but I'll just tell them to you now. <clears throat> they, the next verse says they sent them away. Explicit in the word sent is that they financed the mission. Now, this is so, I love this. I, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I, I, I didn't get this for years. I mean, just the last few weeks, I began to study this thing out, and it hit me. It dawned on me what they were doing here. They sent, the church at Antioch sends Barnabas and Saul on the first missionary journey because God told them to. They understood it. They prioritized it. They they they. they they said, okay, go. Then they financed them. They sent them away. They, they provided the funds for these two guys to go. You remember that story there? And that, this is Acts 13 now when they're going out. You remember that Acts 16 story where they're, where they're, where they're going to, um, and they're trying to figure out where they're supposed to go, and, and they try to go to Asia, and the Holy Spirit says no, and they, these different towns, and, 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 and Paul says, you know, God told, said you can't go there, different areas. And then he has this dream 
And he sees a, a man of Macedonia, and in, the, and in the dream, he's saying, come over and help us. So then they, it says that they, you know, Luke has joined them by then, and he says, we, we believe that that's where God wanted us to go, so we, we knew that was where we were supposed to go, so we went to Macedonia. And they get to Macedonia, and the, the part of Macedonia, the, the capital, the chief city, was a place called Philippi. Of course, you know the book of Philippians. So they go to Philippi, and they find this lady, some women down there at the, the river, and they, they lead them to Christ. They start a church there. That's where the Philippian jailer gets saved and all that kind of stuff. So they start the church at Philippi. The next place they go after Philippi is a place called Thessalonica. And from Thessalonica, they go to Berea. Now, so, so Antioch finances them, and they go, to the, they go to Philippi, which is in Macedonia. They get to Philippi. They start a church. They have the persecution that comes there. They go from Philippi to Thessalonica. Paul writes later writes a book called the Book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 He's writing to the church at Philippi, and here's what he says. When in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia and went to Thessalonica, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving except you only. So we know the church at Antioch financed the trip to Philippi. We know that, that then when they got to Philippi and started a church there, that local church then they taught was their, their, ability, their, their privilege and responsibility to help finance the work of God. And so they began to send offerings to Paul in Thessalonica to help him start the church at Thessalonica. Later, then, then he leaves Thessalonica and he goes to Berea. Later, he writes back to the church at Thessalonica. And he says in chapter 1 and verse 8, in the beginning of the gospel, he says, when I was in Thessalonica, he says, you... For from you sounded out the word of God all across Asia. Later, he writes in Acts chapter 19, I think it is, and says that, or I'm sorry, in the book of Romans, that all of Asia heard the gospel. Why? Because these local churches then were picking it up. And so Antioch finances the mission. They get to Philippi. Philippi finances the mission. They get to, they get to Thessalonica. Thessalonica finances the mission. And now we come all the way to today. <laughs> and now Moses Lake Baptist Church finances the mission as we continue to go to get the gospel around the world because we understand the mission. And the, and the mission is that God wants it to every creature, every tongue, every, every language, every nation to get the gospel. What a privilege we have. This is what it means to be missions-minded. We understand the mission, we prioritize it, and we finance it. And that's what this week is going to be about, trying just to, to, to see biblically what it is that we're doing it's not just about trying to get money out of you. It's about us understanding God's plan for the church. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.